0: What a joy for me today to be able to open God's Word with you. Philippians chapter 3. One of my favorite verses, maybe even in some ways a life verse. Verse 10. That I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, be made conformed to His death. It's a very powerful verse. Especially when you start to look at it within the context you, you, you've got to remember the context of, out of which he's writing this. We looked at it last week. He starts this passage with, "Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord." Right? This idea that our security, our sustenance, is all in Christ. It, it's the opposite of legalism we're not depending upon ourselves we're not depending upon our good works our tick in the boxes jumping through the hoots but our confidence is in Jesus and so we're leaning into grace and and so it's out of that that this comes I mean let's look back at verse eight as he he moves that idea of grace more than that I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. At the heart of this, Is this beautiful reminder that for those of us who know Jesus today we have the greatest opportunity that the world has ever known and that is is that we can have an intimate relationship with our Creator think about the difference for a moment of living under law living under religion and living under grace. And living under relationship. You know, when you're under law, I mean, first of all, it's cold, right? It's impersonal. It's it, it's critical. It's harsh. It's condemning. It's... Um, It's a place of uncertainty because you never know if you've checked enough of the boxes, right? If you've jumped enough through the hoops. But on the other side, when we lean into Jesus to be found in him and now it's about grace, what we have is we have relationship, we have warmth, we have love, we have forgiveness, we have mercy, we have compassion. We have certainty because today, because of Jesus, not because of me, but because Jesus, I'm already seated with him in heavenly places, right? The power of relationship. And it's on that that Paul now digs in and and really almost the sense of his his life mission is that I may know him. His greatest desire is to know Jesus intimately. Now before we get into this, I I just got to take a little stop here. Because if you don't get this, you're going to miss everything else that I say. We talk about knowing Jesus all the time. In fact, really, it's, it's what he's talking about here in verse 8. He's coming out of that, you know, the, the whole law and, and those things. I count it as loss. I count all things but loss in view of knowing Christ. That's salvation. That's where it begins. Everything starts. If you think of it as a funnel, the small part on the funnel is this is that everything starts with knowing Jesus and salvation, knowing that I can't save myself. Jesus came and died for me, and so I put my trust in him, and that's when I meet Jesus. That's when I come to know him. And, and so if you've not come to that point, quite honestly, nothing else I'm going to say today really is going to be really uh, applicable to you. But for those of us who have come to that point, what you have to understand when Paul now says in verse 10 that I may know him, he's not talking salvation. Paul already knows Jesus. He's, he's not talking about th- this idea of just meeting Christ. He, he knows him. He's, what he's talking about here is he's talking about intimacy. He's talking about knowing him as a friend. He's talking about walking with Jesus I mean, you think about how Jesus even explained the idea of relationship. In John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life. That they may know you, Heavenly Father, and your Son, the Lord Jesus. It's about relationship. And I couldn't help but think about a verse found in 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul writes. He writes it at the end of his life. And he writes this. He says, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced, the old King James word is persuaded. I kind of like that one. I am persuaded that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him against that day. That's not about salvation. That is about an intimate relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus knows where I'm at, that Jesus knows all that I've done, and we have this day. And so I am convinced that he's able to safeguard that which I've done. An intimate relationship with Jesus And, folk, I want to share with you today that if you've come to that point of salvation and you've put your faith and trust in Christ, that today you have the greatest privilege in all the world, and that is that you can walk intimately with the creator of the universe. The God who flung the stars into space, who formed the world with his hands, who dug out the oceans, who propped up the mountains, you can know him. And you could know him intimately i mean think about it think about the relationship that he's already started to establish with us in that he calls us his children right he he caused us to be born into his family romans 8 says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of god today and our children heirs heirs with god and fellow heirs with christ and by the way if you were here last week remember we talked about We're under the new covenant, not the old covenant. What's the sign of the new covenant? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives in you and me. And he already testifies that we are the children of God. John jumps on this in 1 John 3. He says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we would be called the children of God and such we are. Folks, today, you are a child of God. You are a son, you are a daughter of the Most High God. And like any parent wants to have with his children is that relationship that is deep, that is rich, that is intimate. That which is best friend. Couldn't help but think of what we're told about Moses. Moses who led Israel out. Remember, he kept going up on Sinai and staying up there for 40 days, right? And he just met with God and he'd come down and his face would be shining. in exodus 33 it says this thus the lord used to speak to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend but i want you to know today that you have far greater standing than moses had on that day you are a child of god you have been washed clean You have been already seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so if Moses can have that kind of relationship with him, how much greater you can. And that's what he desires for us. That we would know him. So the question becomes, well, how do we grow in our relationship with the Lord? And we could talk about this the rest of the day, but I want to get to the rest of the verse. So if I could just mention four really quick things. Uh, one would be through his word do you know that this is God's love letter to us I mean really everything that the Lord wants us to know is here everything that he wants us to be able to understand it's, it's here now, now I've got to be honest with you I think it'll be an interesting question when we get to heaven so Lord why was Leviticus so important for us to know right uh, you know, why, you know, when the little hair turns white? I mean, I was just reading that, so it's like, okay. But this is his love letter. And so to get into his word and to learn in, in him, and, you know, sometimes people get frustrated because maybe, it's like, they just can't do it every day. Well, don't worry about every day. Just be consistent. Get in his word. Second way is, of course, through prayer. Some people said, you know, the word is how he speaks to us, and prayer is how we talk to him, and we share with him. It's just like any other relationship. If it's going to grow, if it's going to become more intimate, you've got to communicate. You've got to share your heart. One of the things that I found in my own life, it's kind of that flashing red light to me that something is not right. That In my own heart, that I'm not spending the time with the Lord in prayer that I need to be, is what I find is I get irritable. Things bother me. I, I, I tend to to kind of jump off the, the you know the ledge a lot quicker and the reason is is because i'm holding on to stuff i'm dealing with things i'm processing things but i'm not i'm not letting him and and so i feel like i'm in control and It makes me irritable but man when i walk and talk with jesus and i unload my burden to him changes my entire spirit a third thing that helps us do that is just to walk in obedience by faith you know you got to have faith To have a good relationship with Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And here's the thing, to walk in obedience takes faith sometimes. Because sometimes God's going to ask us to do things, you know, to be honest. People of integrity, when the world tells us, ah, you really have to be that way, when even friends, hey, cut these corners, and yet God's word says no. But it's in those moments that you find him being faithful to his word. And it's in those moments that you realize that he is with you. Even when nobody else is. It helps build that intimacy. And lastly. Having, having mentors, having people around, it, walking with Jesus and they're sharing the things that they're learning and it's kind of been fun over the years of the things that I've learned and, and often it'll come up in conversation and sometimes I'm not even sure I agree, you know, I'll just kind of well, that's kind of interesting, you say you're learning that, but I kind of mow on it, put it in my you know, back pocket, so to speak and you know, it's amazing how many times you know, two, three months down the line God starts doing something in my heart and he brings that conversation and I go ah oh. This is what they meant. Uh, What a beautiful opportunity we have to be able to walk in intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, what Paul does is he starts to kind of break this out and say, okay, so what does this look like? And the first thing that he mentions here is this idea that we can live with resurrection power. I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Do you know the greatest power that's talked about in all the Bible is the power of the resurrection? You you know, in the New Testament, when it talks about the power of God, it doesn't jump to creation. Even with Jesus, it wasn't about, oh, hey, go look at my miracles or go look at my power over nature. It was always about the resurrection. And as a believer in Jesus, you and I have that power that's available to us. We have the ability to live in the power of God as we live intimately with him as we grow. Kind of like, remember John 15, the, the branch being united to the vine? As we walk in intimacy and knowing Christ, we know his power now that lives through us. One favorite scripture of mine... In Ephesians chapter 1, it's, it's a prayer that Paul prays for the, for the believers there. But this is what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. So what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places? Resurrection power that you and I can can walk and live in that power that God has brought about in Christ. But why? Because we're united with him. What does that power do? Well, it brings about holy living. And you know, one of the things that today makes me sad is that in our American culture at least, I run into Christians all the time that somehow think that they cannot live the way God wants them to live. Because they have a hole inside of them. They have a brokenness inside of them. They have a this bent inside of them that they just can't overcome this sin. They just can't overcome this This addiction. Maybe it's negative thoughts. Maybe, I don't know. And the reality is is that when we come to know Jesus, as we lean into him and we grow in him, we have the ability to walk in holiness. In fact, do you remember Romans chapter 6 where Paul talks about how when we you know, it's symbolized in baptism that we died with Christ. And in verse 4, he says this Therefore, we have been buried with him through his baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too, so we too, all of us, we too might walk in newness of life. We can walk in victory. We can walk in a way where we have the ability to live a, this life here in a way that's honoring to the Lord. That's resurrection power. Peter speaks to this in 2 Peter 1. Seeing, he says, seeing that His divine power. What power is that? Resurrection power. That His divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us into his glory next No knowing Jesus. You and I have the ability. I, uh, again, I know so many Christians struggle with this. I, I, I typically, a book that I, I recommend a lot, it's called The Bondage Breaker. I give it out a lot. I thought today I'll give a little different book by the same author, by Neil Anderson, but it's called Winning the Battle Within. I had five of them up here. Two are gone. Um. But there are three that are left uh, after the service. If you be, maybe, maybe again, you just, how do I know that victory? It's, it's about being united with Christ. The books are free. would encourage you to pick it up. But that's what we're called to do. But it's not just power for living a holy life. It's also power for service. Because you and I need him in this. I mean, uh, so I hope... I hope. I don't know how it comes across. I I hope that when I have the opportunities on the weekends to get up here and open God's Word, that I I make it look like it's fun and it's easy. I want you to know that's not how I ever feel on Tuesday, because Tuesday's my study day. Tuesday's the day that I wrestle with the text. Tuesday's the day when, uh, in fact, I try to actually do some of my reading on Monday, let it process through the night Tuesday, put this down. But uh, man, so many times I sit there and go, man, how would how this apply? How do I, I mean, I'm going to be talking to 1,600 people this weekend. How can I take one message and, and, and do that? And one of the things I had to learn very early on, the answer to that question was, Steve, you can't. You don't have the ability And if you've ever been here when I've tried to do it, you would agree with me. Steve, you can't. You don't have the ability. But the reality is that Jesus can, right? Because he knows where all of you are. In fact, he even knows where you're at on Tuesday when I'm struggling with this passage. He knows what's going on in your life. He is the one who can take it and apply it to 1,600 different people. It's his power. I think about this year, you know, our whole idea of who's your one. You know, this idea that we want to see 1,250 people come to faith in Christ. And if all of us would say, okay, God, who's my one this year? My one that you put into my life. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a it's a coworker who you want me to reach. And you're sitting there going, but I can't do that. And I want to tell you, you're right. You can't. But Jesus can. That's resurrection power. That's saying, God, I need you, but I'm gonna live and I'm gonna believe that you have the ability to reach this person. Resurrection power. It's power for holy living, it's power for service. And the reality is that as we as we grow in our intimacy. That's how we can know his power. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, for we have this treasure. The treasure that he's talking about is the gospel. We have it in earthen vessels, clay pots, nothing fancy. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And so folks, as you and I lean into Jesus, as we learn to live an intimate relationship with Christ... Will grow in resurrection power. Now, to be honest with you, this would probably be the greatest verse in the Bible if Paul had just stopped here. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection. That will preach every weekend. But he didn't stop. He went on, now he adds, and the fellowship of his suffering. And we went, uh oh. That doesn't sound near as fun, does it? Fellowship of suffering. But well, what does he mean by that? Where does that have to do with knowing Christ? And yet, suffering with Jesus is that thing that builds that intimacy, that depth of relationship. Many of us who've walked with Christ for for a number of years would you know we get to tell, talk to you about our relationship with Christ. It will often be in those difficult moments. Why? Because that's you know it's it's when we can't depend upon ourselves and it's when we can't depend upon anybody else and all we got is Jesus and, and, and now he comes to us in a new and a fresh way and we touch depths of him we didn't know before and you know I've been privileged to sit at the bedside of many a saint who was going home who through all their life you know quoted Psalm 23 yea though I walk through the valley of shadow of death I'll fear no evil right we all know that one but as we're talking about it and I'm reading it there and you can see as the smile comes on their face the tears come to their eyes their eyes light up because they can't maybe even talk at this moment They're experiencing the truth of of God now ministering to their spirit in a way they couldn't have dreamt before. But now in the midst of the valley, he is there, and they fear no evil because he is with them. His rod and his staff comfort them, and they understand it in a new way. You know, I've shared with you many times about my story of uh, in the Birth of my first son, complications setting in. My, my wife ended up having a massive stroke. They life-flighted her to Cleveland. and Got the word about 4 o'clock in the morning that, you know, she had had this massive stroke and she probably wasn't going to make it. And, man, you talk about being all alone. My family had moved to Arizona. I, I, I just, I had not, and I, I wish I could explain it to you, but it just, I, can't, I don't know how to explain it there's just in those moments God reveals depths of himself that you really didn't even know were there. And I think that's what's going to be so great about heaven because we're going to get to experience that like, you know, 24-7, 365, right? But he just, he's there in that intimacy, that sense of his love, his sense of his presence. And some of you are going through some of those difficult times right now. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because, man, you just don't have anybody else. But as you're leaning into Jesus, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it's not horrible. It's just you're not suffering. You are. But the presence of Christ is so rich, and it's so real. And that's what Paul says. Paul says that I may know him, the fellowship of the suffering. You remember the story that he tells in 2 Timothy? It's about Alexander the coppersmith. He's telling Timothy, be careful of this guy. Man, he caused me a lot of harm. He says, at my first defense, no one supported me. All deserted me. I was alone. Ah, but, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Have you ever looked at the very next verse? I mean, this is 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's some of the last words that Paul wrote because he is going to die he just told them the time of my departure is at hand right and now he tells the story about alexander the coppersmith in the very next verse this is what he writes and i know that the lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen there is a man who intimately knows his savior. Who knows that even though he's going to the chopping block, that there will be no evil. God will walk him all the way home. Why? It is the fellowship of suffering. It's that intimacy that comes with that. In fact, it's what's interesting is that there's a bit of a paradox here. And a paradox, you know, is one of those things where things look like they contradict each other but they really do work together. And that is the idea that weakness actually brings power. Uh, it, it's the same idea that, you know, when you talk about leadership, and yet you know, Jesus said if you want to be a leader of all, you should be last, right? You should serve, right? It's a paradox, but it's in God's economy it works. And it's the same thing here, that as I suffer and as I am weak, that's when he is strong. So, a couple, couple days ago, in my Bible reading, as I read through um, the New Testament, I was in 2 Corinthians 9, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul tells a story about being caught up to the very presence of God in heaven. And seeing things that he couldn't even tell us, they were so glorious. Don't you wish he could have figured out how to tell us? And then he talks about, but because of that, I've been given a messenger of Satan. He calls it a thorn in his flesh. Some have suggested it was his mother-in-law, but there's no textual, no textual meaning for that. Just wanted to let you know, in case you are one. But he asked the Lord three times to take this suffering away. And then he writes this, And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When you come to the end of yourself, Paul, that's when you can know my resurrection power. So Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulty. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Oh, that I may know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And then he rolls into this last thing, conformity with his death. There is some discussion if this is a third point or if this is a subset of the the suffering. I, I actually think it's a third point here. And I think his whole point is reminding us, because this is really the heart of the book is that Jesus is in us to make him like himself, right? I mean, you think about how back in chapter 2, he talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do we live this out? We've called the gospel impact. How does it change our life? Uh, You think about Romans chapter 12, for those whom we foreknew you predestined to become conformed to the image of Christ. That's what Jesus is trying to do in us, to make us like him. In fact, John reminds us that beloved now today we are the children of god and it has not appeared what we will be like but we know that when he appears we will be like him so that's the ultimate goal so god is at work in my life today to make me like jesus so as i grow in my intimacy with him and as i grow in my relationship with him part of what's going to happen is this idea of conformity to his death and you go, well, what does he mean by that? Well, again, think the context of the book. Look back just a couple verses back in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 5, he talks about conformity and the death of Christ. He, he says in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I think what he's trying to say here is that as you and I grow in our intimacy of Christ and our knowledge of him, what that will lead us to do is to surrender ourselves to the lordship of Jesus, conformity to his death. That just as Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father, not my will, Lord, but yours be done, he prayed, you and I, as we grow in our intimacy, will become more and more surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life, which is exactly what he's wanting to do. Today, for those of us who know Jesus, we have the greatest privilege of all, and that is to know him intimately to walk and to talk with him as a friend, as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you have not come to accept him today, that's where it begins.